I feel I must share a word about the assassination of Mohsen Fakhrizada. The date today is the 28th of November uh, 2020, and Mohsen Fakhrizada, the top Iranian nuclear scientist, was assassinated yesterday, disturbing in its consequences, obviously, and assassinated, of course, by Israel. Well, that's self-evident, isn't it? Now, how do we want to deal with this issue? Well, I think times like this, it's important to be frank and honest, because if you're a person of at least some measure of integrity, you want to make sure that people understand the situation. So a few key points. Let's just lay this out as best we can. So Israel has assassinated Iran's leading nuclear scientists. It's a deliberate action taken now whilst Trump is still United States president because Israel can be confident of Trump's wholehearted support. They are less sure of President-elect Biden's wholehearted support. Israel's generals do not want war with Iran. They are aware that Iran has a mutually assured destruction approach and a preemptive strike that took out all of Hezbollah's missiles as well as all of Tehran's is a big ask, even for the combined forces of Israel and the United States of America. Is Iran eager to acquire nuclear weapons? Undoubtedly, some in Iran would like them, just like some in Israel would like war. Not, however, the supreme leader of Iran. The supreme leader of Iran does not want nuclear weapons. He has made that clear, and he's done so repeatedly. More to the point, as far as I'm concerned, Ayatollah Safavi, who is my friend and in many ways my, I count him a brother, uh, and a man of integrity that has never lied to me in the 40 or more years I have known him. And I've shared with him some of the deepest secrets of my heart, and I know him intimately. He says that and he is a close friend of the Supreme Leader of Iran, and a close friend, anyway, of, of many of the leadership in Iran, and in that sense, he knows what's going on. He genuinely says that the Supreme Leader finds the concept of weapons of mass destruction, including nuclear weapons, abhorrent. Now, does that mean that it is impossible that some in the Revolutionary Guard at senior level maybe going against his wishes? I don't think so, but it's possible. It is possible. Of course it's possible. And of course it's possible that this nuclear scientist that was assassinated might have been engaged in work of that kind. It's possible. But, I mean, Ayatollah Safavi, my friend, his brother is General Rahim Safavi, for example. And uh, I can't see any of the mainstream establishment in Iran going against the wishes of the incumbent supreme leader of Iran, who is vehemently opposed to weapons of mass destruction, or what are called weapons of mass destruction, that's chemical, and biological and nuclear weapons. Uh -huh. He regards them as an abomination. I think, in that sense, I can I can believe it. And he does not wish Iran to have them on his watch. That doesn't mean Iran isn't like I say. You know, it's what it is. But I'm just telling you, as I understand it, the mainstream establishment of 
Iran is not promoting this course of action. I think it's important to understand that. Now, what else is on the cards? Well, I mean, I was asking one of our splendid volunteer interns to just remind me of the situation. A guy called Francis, he wrote me a little note yesterday. And what did he have to say? Well, he reminded me that since backing out of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action in 2018, the United States of America has reimposed and steadily ramped up sanctions on Iran, mainly targeting the energy shipping and financial sectors. The United States has made it clear that any countries that continue to trade oil and gas with Iran will themselves face sanction. While it initially permitted eight countries, China, India, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, Turkey, and Italy to continue purchasing Iranian oil, This six-month waiver expired last year and was not renewed by President Donald Trump. But while these sanctions targeted the oil industry, they are serious sanctions, serious issues for the Iranian economy. Nonetheless, Iran has found ways to continue selling oil, sort of. I mean, at knockdown prices, but anyway, yes. What are far more damaging are the sanctions targeting the Iranian financial sectors by the United States of America. These sanctions not only deter foreign investment in Iran, but more importantly, freeze the Iranian financial sector out of the global economy. Iranian banks are isolated from the international financial system as well as having their foreign assets frozen. Iran's currency, the real, hit an all-time low in October 2020. This is having a big impact on Iran's capability to flex muscle. I mean, uh, to subsidize countries, nations like Syria or movements like Hezbollah. Yeah, but Iran is still probably the, the punchiest, most powerful nation in the Middle East. I mean, it was assessed as that a year ago by um, the International Institute for Strategic Studies. And it's right. It's a fair assessment. Iran is a heavy, heavy hitter, one of the big hitters in the Middle East. And it punches above its weight, partly because it has clear policies. It knows what it's doing. It knows where it's going. And it has hegemonic ambitions. But they're very clear They're in relation to that sort of Shiite corridor from the Gulf to the Mediterranean, primarily anyway. Uh, Remember, too, that Iran has been the worst hit Middle East country by the COVID-19 pandemic and is still battling with it. I mean, worst hit, I mean, massively hit. I have no idea why its neighbor, Afghanistan, has been mildly affected. Iran has been hugely affected. This thing is weird. Don't ask me. Has Iran been handling it worse than countries like... I mean, Britain is colossally bad. The United States of America, colossally bad. But Iran is up there with us by terms of population and perhaps rather worse affected if you're talking about deaths per million. Iran is in a miserable state because of COVID at the moment, right now. So all these are issues. Now, look, at the same time, Iran is trying to hold out a hand of friendship. It doesn't do so very well because it sort of talks the talk of a 
it sounds like a bully sometimes when Iranians talk. They don't mean to. They're blunt, and they're used to being battered by raw, bullying statements from us in the West. And we do speak to Iran like we were speaking to one of the great evils on the planet. Perhaps that's how we regard Iran. I'm sure there's good and bad everywhere. Anyway, the point is, we talk to them that way, so they talk to us that way. But we don't like to hear it. So they tend to be rather brutish in their conversation. I wish they wouldn't. I find certain things obscene about Iran. They still chant death to America, death to Israel at Friday prayers. How obscene is that? How childish. At least we aren't that infantile in the West. But... I mean, I think actually that's worse than a potential nuclear weapons program. Almost as obscene as the Muslim nation's support for China, uh, whilst China murders, imprisons millions of Muslims. I never do understand that. That's an aside. But Iran is just like the others. The Arab nations in their support for China, while it persecutes and kills the Uyghur women and children and men and enslaves them. Oh, beyond my comprehension sometimes that, that, uh, that nations can be so immoral. So can you trust Iran any more than you can trust anybody? I mean, God, we're pot calling the kettle. We are obscene sometimes in some of our actions. The great nations of the world, if we listed their shames, they would be, it would be a long list, but up there with them would be Iran chanting, chanting death to Israel, death to America, Friday prayers, honestly. But what? So, but Iran is actually, in its way, in its rather clumsy way, trying to hold out a hand of friendship to the West. And Iranians I speak to are saying, we even take investment from America in Iran. They'd have to use a UK intermediary at the moment while relationships are so bad, but they try to be constructive. And if American companies wanted to invest in Iran in a post-Trump era, yeah, they, you know, it's possible. But no, I understand that from Iranians. I'm not talking, this is not me talking in that regard. So Iran looks forward to a Biden presidency. It really is something they want to see. Um, this assassination, it will be a disgrace if it promotes war. I hope Iran will stay its hand in retribution. Remember, there are elements in Israel's political establishment that would like war and that are doing this at this time because Trump is still president. So just don't react. It's the, uh, the terrible failure of Western foreign policy. It's not planned. It's action and reaction, action and reaction, action and reaction. Do this. You hit us, we hit you, that kind of thing. For all Trump's sins, and he has many, when there was a potential for real war with Iran, you remember when you, Iran, shot down the drone? Uh, yeah, with every justification. I'm not arguing about that. You shot down the drone. Trump stayed his hand when others were saying, come on, come on, come on, war. I mean, Trump, I know people in the West love to hate Trump, but Trump has stayed his hand from war again and again and again. And there have been so many opportunities and in situations of this kind, Democrat presidents repeatedly and Republicans, his predecessors, have gone to war. Trump did not. Whatever Trump's sins, he did not. He stayed his hand. He was cautious about retribution. He did not ratchet things up. I know he assassinated the head of the Quds Force, 
in Iraq. I know he did that. But basically, he's been cautious and probably the most peaceful of all America's presidents in modern times. God, some of my friends would hate me saying that. But it's a blooming fact. You have to just don't watch his mouth, watch his hands, what he actually did. Been less war. Let's keep it that way, if we can. God bless you. Thank you.